to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Kelly Thornton is telling provocative stories through theatre. As the artistic director of the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre, Kelly and her award-winning team at RMTC have continued to find ways to entertain, educate, and start important conversations through incredible stage performances, despite a worldwide pandemic that closed everything down. Theatre is about ideas, and it's about coming together, confronting the big ideas, and then having a catharsis together. And then, you know, when theatre is good, you get to leave the theatre and continue to process. And, and it ultimately is about transforming who you are. I sat down with Kelly Thornton to talk about artistic expression in a post-COVID-19 world, the excitement about connecting with audiences face-to-face, and her experiences bringing stories to life on stages all across Canada. Welcome to Because and Effect. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined via Zoom by Kelly Thornton. She's the Artistic Director of the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Nolan. It's great to be here. Well, we're having you on. Um, You're actually the second artistic director of RMTC. I had Stephen Shipper on, I guess, years ago now. Um, You stepped into this role in, I think, early 2019. Is that accurate? Yep, June 2019. So right before everything went crazy, maybe just talk about your first days and your first month stepping into the role. And then all of a sudden, when everything shut down, what was your mindset? What was your team's mindset? And just take me back to those early crazy days. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I, I often say it, it was like learning to paddle in fast water. <laughs> it was like, okay, get on the bus and drive. Um, you know, uh, it's a huge organization with a big staff and it's been doing this for 60 years plus. So uh, it, it really was a, a pretty uh, steep learning curve just in, in terms of getting inside of the organizational uh, culture and, and the, the rhythm um, but, you know, MTC really worked hard in terms of that transition to, uh, to make a, like a long runway and a long landing. So I, I, I was, uh, and I was very supported, you know, they threw, uh, they threw a social, a Winnipeg social for me, though I wasn't there, but they, they threw a, a social for me in the first weeks. Um, I think the very first week, uh, and you know, all the guests wrote, you know, there was a little wall of like, you know, great things to do in Winnipeg and Manitoba. Um, and so everybody, you know, shared their, their two cents on, on what was great about this, this city. And they needed not convince me because I, I really have fallen in love with Winnipeg and Manitoba. I'm so happy to be here. Um, but yeah, so I got, I got on the bus and drove and, uh, you know, the summer months were very much about, 2019 was, was about planning the 2021 season, mm. uh, the infamous 2021 season, which I ended up having to cancel. Um, but um, so that was what the summer was, because in the fall, I went straight into rehearsal for Bang Bang by Kat Sandler, which was at the warehouse, which uh, first played at the warehouse, and then it went to the Belfry in Victoria. Um, and that was great. It was obviously great to, to make a directorial debut at MTC. Um, but yeah, so, you know, season planning, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a long process and you have to, there's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, you're, you're thinking about, you know, in co-productions, 
where does it originate? How many Winnipeg people can be cast in it? Uh, how much work is there for my shops if it's originating in another city? Um, and, and ultimately, can we afford the whole thing? And the balancing act of what the programming is. You know, I, I wanted, um, you know, some provocative uh, theater on the stages, as well as, you know, the balance of of uh, what we like to call here the center tent poles, the ones that are going to sell uh, a lot of tickets so that we can risk in other um, programming. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I announced on January 20th, no, sorry, January uh, 2020, um, the end of January, uh, my season, and uh, it, it was really, really well received. Um, you know, uh, we we were selling really like gangbusters, you know, the ticket sales were going well and subscription renewals. And then <laughs> we, you know, uh, we had As You Like It had just finished at, uh, it, no, I was finishing that week in uh, Citadel, but it had been in, on our stage in January here. Okay. Um, and, we started to hear rumblings out of Alberta that uh, they were gonna they were gonna close the show and then like you know like lightning fire, um, we were in we were in Tech Week for Thousands of Blended Sons, so our artists were on the stage, um, and 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 dressed and ready to go for a dress rehearsal, and we we didn't think for some reason because the numbers were so so low in manitoba that we we thought okay well alberta is having to close uh, you know a couple of days early i'm sorry for the cast in, in, in uh, edmonton but uh but it's not going to touch us <laughs> and even if it did it's going to blow over very quickly and we'll, we'll be back to business in in a week or two because <laughs> i lived through sars in toronto right mm -hmm. and it, it it never it never became a thing that you know, we all learned to cough in our arms, but mm -hmm. we never, we never lost our business. Um, anyway, so March 13th, the infamous Friday the 13th, we shut it down um, and, and really thought we would only lose that production. And then we lost Georgia, the life of George McBride. Um, and so that, that concluded our, our, our 20 or 1920 season. But it, at least I had had, I'd had a great go of it with mm -hmm. I mean, Stephen Shipper program that last, uh, the last season, the 1920 season. And I was able to meet so many audience members and donors. And like, I had a great, I had a great year. Um, and we had very successful theater on the stages. Um, but yeah, so the end of the year, it all came to a close. And then as the spring went on, we realized we were, our, our co-productions started to drop. So the first show was gonna be networked and it was a co-production with Arts Club in BC in Vancouver and the Citadel in Edmonton. And network was like, network is a great show. If you know the movie, it's Patty Chayefsky's, um, uh, was done in the seventies and it's, it's really about how the media became what it is today, which, you know, how sensationalism sells, um, with the infamous line, uh, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Go out to your window, open your windows and say it to the world. And anyway, it, it was, it's a, it's a, it was a great, uh, film script that they adapted to the stage and it was supposed to happen. Uh, it was our season opener, 
and it was going to happen just before the American election. So it was like so well timed. It was going to be great, um, you know, with with fake news and the whole uh, thing around the election. Anyway, um, so the co-production started to drop like flies. And then, you know, Sound of Music was our other co-production, which was going to be our Christmas show. And it also, we decided, you know, we can't sing. Right. So by this end of the spring, we knew that the, the first half of the season was going to go, was going to drop. Um, and then by the second half of the season, like, sorry, sorry, by September, we knew uh, the whole thing was, the it was done. <laughs> it was done. My 21... But my 2021 season just, uh, you know, it, it will always be in print, but never, never on the stage. So are you sort of expanding and sort of delaying or is there a whole new slate for 2022? Like, are you just kind of scrapping yeah, that? Yeah. Wow. Them, we have like two, kind of a mixed metaphor. We have we call them the orphans in the parking lot. <laughs> so we have we have a bunch of plays that are in the parking lot, um, which we, <laughs> you know, across the industry, we call them the orphaned productions. Um, and, and, uh, some of them are going to go and some of them are not going to go because of the, you know, co-production starts to like change how, you know, some, some co-producers can't get back on, back on the, the bus. And, and then anyway, so we're in the process right now of, um, shaping our 22, 23 season, um, and gearing up for our 21, 22 season. And, you know, really like i'll use this word once pivoted uh we did pivot to a digital season last season we we ended up you know i just wrote you know we're, i just proofed our annual report and realized how much we actually um did in our in our 2021 20, season we did a lot of engagement and digital productions we wanted to keep our artists engaged we wanted to keep our audiences engaged and our shops downstairs you know, building. Um, so uh, in in the face of it all, I feel very, very um, proud of what we did as an organization during the pandemic. We had, you know, two of our productions were nominated for the Winnipeg Theatre Awards, the EVs the, for the Mountaintop and the Postmistress. Um, so I, like, all I can say is, you know, we got through it, we're, we're proceeding cautiously and, and, uh, and I'm directing the first show out of the gates, uh, Orlando, which opens um, the first previews on November 24th. So Beautiful. public audiences in our building on November 24th. What's, what, what's, yeah, what's the general, um, you know, atmosphere around for the productions right now? Are people excited? Is there some anxieties or, or, you know, like what's the general kind of feeling about things? You know, I, 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 I curated the season very specifically to begin with Orlando because it is a highly, highly theatrical piece and not without challenges because you have to use a lot of state like invention to, to make things happen. So um, I've been working with my designers all summer um, right down to like the minutia of how because it, it, the story is just goes and goes. It travels four centuries um crossing time and gender this poet uh is you know in search of their essential self and and so it's a it's story theater really it's it it requires kind of it's it's like a tumbling uh 
story of that's, you know, many, many images play out on the stage. Um, and so our des the design team and, and myself, we're all so excited mm -hmm. uh, and, and so um, ignited by like, like our using artistic muscle. Um, you know, when you film, when you put a digital production on, you can always like do a retake to make a stage magic happen. But, but uh, you know, my desire with this production in particular is for the audience to go, <gasps> You know, when you see a moment in the, in the theater and you're like, how did that happen? Oh my God, it just came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. That's, that's uh, you know, it's to remind people that you can't get this sitting on a couch watching Netflix. Um, the digital productions have been great and they've been a great stopgap, but that live theater and, and communing with people in the dark to mm -hmm. watch the theater, there's no experience like it. So, so uh, you know, we are, we are not, we don't have a lot of anxiety. Uh, as a team, as a design team, every once in a while, you know, my co-executive, uh, Camilla Holland, the ED here, she she said to me in July, she's like, remember, you're the queen of non-attachment. And I was like, what do you mean? Because <laughs> I said that a lot last year. And in fact, the Winnipeg Free Press even quoted me as mm. saying, I'm the queen of non-attachment. Because I had to be, I just was like, okay, we're just going to let it go. We're going to let that go. And we're going to come up with a new idea. Um, but anyway, she said it to me in July and I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, you know, Delta, <laughs> Delta. And I was like, no, no, I, now I, you know, I have a healthy dose of realism. I know I, I've lived through it long enough that I know that I have to be, I have to be able to let go of it again. Um, and just keep walking, you know, yeah. it's, it's about the long game, um, of keeping the doors open and keeping keeping an engaged audience and yeah. and everything I said, you know, my responsibility is to the artists and the craftspeople and and the audience mm -hmm. um, in the long haul. But uh, but at the same time, I, I you know I kind of live in two parallel realities of like realism, mm -hmm. COVID planning, audience, uh, you know, planning around that, but also in just making making great art preparing right. to make great art for the curtain to rise on November 24th. Right. Well, the relationship between the artist and the audience it can't help but be shifted after this whole thing, right? But speaking for myself and my friends, I know everyone is so anxious to get out there, watch some live performances, whether it be music, theater, all of the above. Have you heard from your, and I know the audience relationship with RMTC is so tight because you have so many like fervent supporters both financially and and with ticket sales and with everything so like what are you hearing from your audience how are people feeling about wanting to get back in the theater wanting to get back in front of a you know a, a stage and see and, and connect with those performers you know look into their eyes as opposed to into a screen right what what is the audience saying of our mtc uh when it comes to getting back out there we were the first uh regional to announce in in may across the country and and uh people were thrilled you know from i got so many emails from artists and from audience members just saying they can't they can't wait and and subscriptions have been going really really well um and more recently we announced uh the the vaccine mandate um, so that's for all the all the company that's working on the piece, the actors and the designers, um, all of our staff, 
and then all, also the audiences. Just for Orlando, we're going to take it production by production. Um, but we got lots of emails actually from audience members saying, thanks for doing that. I'm definitely coming now. Uh, we mm. were worried and wavering. Um, but, I, 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 you know, it's good to have the clarity. Um, and it's good to take it step by step, you know. Uh, we'll see you know i i eventually we'll all have herd immunity <laughs> we're not going to live in this world forever i don't think but mm -hmm. but it you know it's we have to be safe right now and so i think our audiences really appreciate the clarity and i think it helped you know get some people you know to to follow through with their subscriptions as well but we're still you know we're we're uh we're excited and we're selling and you know our box office talk is talking to people every day and so it's looking it's, up. It's good news. And people, I think, you know, I've been to, I went to a movie recently and I was like, wow, this is so weird and exciting. <laughs> well, yeah, you hear the, you hear the, the moniker, the roaring twenties are going to be coming back because everyone's been cooped up for so long and ready to get out there and, you know, yeah. experience the world. Right. Um, yes. Are you guys anticipating that? Are you kind of like, I, I know you said Orlando sort of this wide, big, big production are you kind of doing that to kind of blast people right away with 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 some impressive you know feats yeah yeah like I, I do I think I think uh you know as I said like live theater we, we made we made do with the fact that we had to be digital um a lot of people are like are you gonna be you know is this gonna be a hybrid year and I was like no I don't want to you know as we are as we stand right now we want to we want to um bring people back and you can't bring people back if people say well i could just click a button and stay at home right you know and, and i i think yeah i mean i i think uh the live theater experience whether whether it's just uh whether it's as the theatrical as orlando or you know lifespan of a fact is more of a it's an ideas play um but it's still there's something about communing in the dark with a bunch of people chewing on the big ideas of the world that you just can't get being in isolation on your couch. So, um, yeah, all, all theater is theatrical because it's, it's in communication, you know, that uh, the artists that are on the stage. And I know because the artists on the stage in our digital productions really felt like, you know, that's where the laugh would go. Mm. Like, and they hear, you know, when we were filming, they, they would often, you know, you don't get that, that immediate the feedback from yeah. the audience. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's such a two-way communication and it's electric yeah. when it's live because I, anything can go wrong, right? Like it's the magic and the fear and the, the like the risk of, of, it's actually live right now, right here. <laughs> the tightrope that they're walking. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, I have friends, comedian friends who said the same thing, tried some Zoom shows. And even this, like I used to do the podcast sitting across from someone in person, right? And looking into their eyes and, and having that conversation. Um, that audience connection, I'm so interested. I, I think you ha you probably have a unique perspective having been an artistic director all over Canada. I read in the Yukon, is that true? You you had this job as well at the Yukon? No, I wasn't an artistic director. I directed oh. there. Okay, cool. So, well, that, I mean, my question remains the same. Like what are, 
maybe not specifically to the Yukon, but how do audiences differ based on where uh, they are in the world? Or is there a universality to it? Is there a regional kind of, you know, are Winnipeggers a little bit different than Yukoners or, you know, what's your perspective on that? Uh, well, you know, actually, Whitehorse is a very, very uh, artistic community. Hmm. Um, people transplanted from all over Canada are, are in Whitehorse, so there's a really eclectic um, bunch of people and a lot of spice because of it, you know, like they come and they, they um, contribute. Um, and also, you know, the Yukon is like, the land is so uh, important to who they are. Uh, but I would say, you know, I, you know, I, I spent 18 years running Nightwood Theatre in Toronto before I came to MTC, and Toronto is a fantastic place, uh, and it, it, you know, there's a there's a a big audience for theatre, but it's also very competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an expensive city, and it's a congested city. And there's a lot of a lot of activity, so you're in competition with a lot of a lot of different things in terms of um, drawing your audience. Um, so when I came here, I was uh, I was I, I just think Winnipeg uh, is you know it's grown up on these like big cultural institutions that have made such an impact on who we are as a city and who who we are as as a province um there's a lot of civic pride um i think the winnipeg foundation i always you know i i always talk about the winnipeg foundation people that that don't know that you know we the winnipeg foundation was the first of its kind the first community foundation uh and and how you know the whole story of the founding of the winnipeg foundation and like giving back to the city and the city that gave to 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 the founders um but but again that whole cultural uh, culture of philanthropy um is rooted in the pride that built these institutions the royal winnipeg ballet and mtc and you know like the 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 audience here is so it's it, there's such a dedicated and vast base of theater lovers and culture lovers in the city uh, that it, it's uh, it's I think it's really because it's been part of the makeup of like the building of the city mm -hmm. and the building of the, the the you know identity building in the province of Manitoba and you know I still think Manitoba's in some ways I like it this way, but but I also think Manitoba is you know the best kept secret in terms of like Winnipeg is the best kept secret, you know the big joke when I was moving here was like oh you better pack your bug spray and you know get your parka, and and, and I'm like you know the joke's on you friends like good luck with your like very expensive houses housing and uh, yeah congested you know it takes an hour to get anywhere in Toronto. Um, you know, I won the lottery. Uh, I'm in the best city in Canada, uh, and 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 people are really, uh, you know, rolling up their sleeves to make Winnipeg the best it can be. And then there's still a journey to go, you know. And, of course. But uh, but I think people people are proud of who we are. I think part and of that's why and, and arts arts and culture uh, is like one of the one of the centerpieces of that pride. I think, which is is kind of rare in some in a lot of big cities it's like yeah. 
you know, and it's a big city, small town, which I think is the best part of Winnipeg. For sure. There's definitely, there's an ownership, you know, with the subscribers, however you want to support the arts, people feel like that's my, you know, like this is my city. That's my part of my show. I, I want to be a part of it. And then they, they have this sense of ownership. And I think that with the theater, there's such a groundswell of support that constantly like people they'll go to everything. Like we'll go to every, any show that comes in, we'll go check it out. Right. So when you meet some of these uh, audience members and some of these members of RMTC, like what are the conversations? Like are people really like, Hey, let's get some shows going. Like we're, we're itching to come back or are people like, can you gauge the, the anxiety levels of people who are maybe a little worried about it or well you know i think i think everybody that's i think everybody sighed a, a sigh of relief when um when they got their second vaccination and when the numbers the numbers in winnipeg are so high in terms of double vax that i think people you know are are less concerned that that um you know they're not they're not they're we're not out of the the dark but we're, we're we're feeling more confident and so i think i think audiences are like the there's like real theater lovers here who you know i met the volunteers in a vol volunteer appreciation night um back 18 months ago and uh you know, some were like, I, I volunteered for 30 years. I, you know, this is my 38th year of volunteering. It's like these people that could talk about, you know, knowing, you know, see, seeing theater in the very beginnings of, of MTC. So um, there's some really passionate theater goers. Mm -hmm. And I think for them, um, it's been a real gap in their lives. You know, the social, the social aspect, uh, and and the the ideas like theater is about ideas and and you know it, it's about coming together uh like confronting the big ideas and then having a catharsis together and then you know when theater is good you get to leave the theater and continue to process and and it ultimately is about transforming who you are right like if you can leave a theater and you know just get in the car and drive away and never think about it again then we're not doing our job um but you know the best theater is is it, it is it, it's something that lingers and actually transforms your your makeup and how you see the world um and that's that's incredible and i think i think as i you know as we all know there's like even you know from the fringe festivals winnipeg's fringe is like incredible people love theater in this city and so the theater lovers are like bring it on you know if they're if they're you know they feel healthy and they feel safe they're ready to go and um and i can't wait i cannot wait i'm daydreaming and quietly i will have a i will i will cry because i i'm so excited to see that first audience and to greet them and and then to you know bring them great theater it's going to be exciting for sure. Everyone's yeah, just chomping at the bit to get out there and do things and see people and, you know, have fun. Um, your role, obviously, now you're probably looking up, you know, vaccine number, you know, like I'm sure 20 years ago, the amount of information and things that you had to focus on was not the same as what it has been in 2021. Right. So how maybe take me back 20 years when you started in 2001. And you could just solely focus on the theater and the, you know, the art. Now you kind of have to juggle all these different aspects of 
everything. Um, how has that changed over the 20 years now that you have to focus on so many different elements of the production and not just the art and not just the maybe the thing that you fell in love with at first, but now you have sort of the logistics of stuff and you have to look at all these superfluous things that m might not necessarily be directly related to the, the stage, but you still have to keep tabs on them because, you know, that that's now your job. Like, what's that been like for you? Well, lest we forget that, you know, Saturday was the anniversary, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And I had just started at Nightwood. Wow. <laughs> my track, my track record is like, you know, <laughs> every time you start a new gig, crisis, uh, like at the beginning wow. of my tenures. Um, but we actually, we had, a, we had a show on stage uh, touring to, to Nova Scotia. It was on stage in Nova Scotia uh, at the time, like it was on stage the night of 9-11. Of course, no one went to the theater. Um, and then we were, we were in the midst of uh, planning to produce it, uh, Janet Sears' Adventures of a Black Girl in Search of God, which was a huge show, 20, 20 cast members and musicians. Uh, it was supposed to go in February and and it was, the, you know, the, the production budget was bigger than my operation budget at the time. And we were co-producing with, with Obsidian Theater, but the AD and I, and it was their inaugural production. So everybody was like focused on making this a success. It was the biggest production um, by, um, you know, mid-sized companies, venue-less companies. Um, anyway, uh, it, we ended up doing it and it was a huge success. But we were we were living in that fear of like what if another 9-11 happens when we're in the middle of that production mm -hmm. because the the one on tour was you know it was a much smaller it was only three people it was it was it was manageable we we you know we lost money on it but uh but the whole world at that point in 2001 was kind of like what does this mean mm -hmm. for our reality um so 20 years later we're in this other kind of moment in time where we're we're questioning everything like mm -hmm. how we do everything is under uh, under the microscope um so you know the logistics the logistics side of you know getting everybody back in the building luckily i have an incredible team and i'm not the only one um that's up at night worrying about the the minutia um but you know that's the 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 team has spent a huge amount of time in the past year um dealing with the moment to moment um you know the logistics talking to epidemiologists like keeping in contact with all the other uh, organizations to make sure you know what's and, and all the safety protocols and you know the the safety pro protocols in a in a rehearsal hall uh and then the safety protocols of bringing people into the theater, like it is, and also, you know, the, the management of the box office and like first having to refund people or move their subscriptions uh, to, to put on credit for the, when we, when they do come back, like, you know, all of it is extremely boring. <laughs> like that's a, that's, it's not what we, you know, it's not what makes our hearts sing. We're, right. we're, we're artists and theater makers. We want to bring joy and magic to the world. And, um, but necessity uh, has made us, you know, ha have to do this with like 
you know, the utmost attention to detail to make sure that we know exactly, exactly what we're doing at any given moment so that we don't, we don't miss, have a misstep um, and, and put anybody at, at harm's risk. For sure. Um, ha- has this whole, exp- the last two years or 18 months or however long it's been affected what your plan is for the future? And are you going to tell some stories or try to um, try to shine lights on areas that have not, you know, that you want to maybe talk about what's happening? Like, I'm not saying there's a, a play necessarily about a pandemic, but, you know, are you wanting to tell stories that are going to relate to what people have been going through in the last two years and this sort of... Um, I don't know, shared trauma that we're all going through? Like, have you thought about that? Well, okay. So my 2021 season, you know, besides the global pandemic, we've also, I call this era the reckoning. We are mm-hmm. in the reckoning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the pandemic is is a symptom of a deeper, deeper issues with many things of how we've done things, as well as like Sean Light on, you know, elder care and like all the things that we're, we, mm-hmm. we have uh, not done our best at, um, but also, you know, systemic racism uh, really came to the forefront uh, and, and our society uh, had to grapple with that. Um, and our, in the theater industry ha- has to specifically with the way we, we work. Um, uh, and then, you know, the, the beginning of, uh, um, the findings of the, you know, the 215 in Kamloops and how that it's, you know, to the indigenous communities, it's not like they discovered those numbers. They've been talking for years about them, but the settlers are like really having to reckon with what, what real reconciliation means and, and, uh, and injustice. So, in my 2021 season, I came here with like, you know, I came out of a wily little theater company in Toronto, feminist theater that was doing a lot of, um, you know, provocative, socially relevant stuff. And I, and I brought that to the board of directors that hired me, the hiring committee. Um, and I said, you know, like, we have to be relevant in the 21st century. And Stephen had been doing a great job. The season that I inherited is a great example of, you know, great programming that that engages its audience in a conversation. But the 2021 season I had, you know, beyond network, which was all about, you know, the media, um, I, I, we were supposed to bring Children of God uh, to, to Winnipeg, uh, which is all about, it's a musical about the residential schools um, by Corey Payette, which is an incredible piece of theater. Um, and then we're, you know, we're doing Calpurnia, um, which is, uh, a comedy about kind of the collision course of uh, race, class, and gender at a dinner party. It's it's a hilarious and really provocative piece. Um, and you know, so so do I want to do a pandemic play? I'm not dying to do a pandemic play. Um, I'm I think plays that I think I think it, it's what we have learned. All the like the myriad of things that we've learned about what it means to be um, an ally, what it means to be, uh, what it means to be a human and how we have to take care of each other and how we have to take care of our planet. I mean, we all got double vaxxed and then, you know, 
climate change started to like go, okay, this summer, we're really gonna put it to you. We're really gonna burn or flood across the globe just to remind you that we are also dealing with that crisis. So, um, you know, I, I started a, a festival called The Bridge, um, which uh, was supposed to go, you know, it, it's to, to engage our audiences in the, the most important issues of our times. Um, and it was supposed to go this past season with Children of God as a live event, uh, ended up being a digital bridge and it was on art and reconciliation. And so, um, you know, it was incredible. We had like about 50 indigenous artists in all disciplines talking about how art, how their art is contributing to moving a conversation forward. Um, and this coming year we're doing um, uh, our only earth. So it's, it's about climate change and we're doing um, Alana Mitchell's seasick in March and and a four day uh, digital festival. It'll probably be a hybrid of digital and live, um, but uh, local live and and kind of across across the country and maybe across the world uh, digital, so that we don't have to fly people in for a climate conference because that <laughs> just really, doesn't really jive. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I think I think. I'm, I've always been interested in, you know, asking why are we make, why is this play important now? Like, why are we, what's, why are we telling this story? Um, and so, yes, you know, the writers of today, I'm sure will be writing rooted in the learning that they've gone through. And that's, you know, some of it's just about isolation. I don't know if we all want to live a pandemic on the stage, but, right. uh, um, but I think there's so much that we uh, gleaned from, from our experiences about um, our responsibility to each other and to, to the planet. Yeah, very well said. And I think the relationship to art and artists has also shifted too, because like people who make their living on stage and then the stage gets taken away for two years, it's like, okay, well, what, you know, like <laughs> I, I, I think of all my friends who are, you know, binging on Netflix and, you know, podcasts and all this stuff. And it's like the people still need to make the things that you're consuming, that you're being entertained by. And I, and I feel like the pandemic really kind of shone this weird light on the importance of entertainment. But then our understanding of, oh, there's actually entertainers making, you know, I think we just kind of consume the product and then don't really think about the process. Yeah. And I think this this helped people, the audiences reflect on like, oh, there's a whole thousands ten thousands of hours that go into this process of making this little 20 minute show or half hour show right and i and i'm noticing a, a bit of an awakening in people's understanding of okay maybe we need to you know support our artists a bit more because before the struggle has always been money to the arts and, and supporting the arts and supporting artists in general but i i'm seeing at least with my friends and 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 my family that like oh we should maybe start putting money out for tickets and, and you know supporting these things do you feel like there's a that there is this awakening when it comes to supporting artists or do you hope that there, I mean, I know you hope there is, but ha have you seen that sort of response in, in your audiences at least? Yeah, I, I do. I think, uh, you know, a huge amount of uh, audience members uh, donated their tickets back mm -hmm. uh, at the end of our 1920 season. Um, and then just 
just generally, uh, I mean, as I mentioned, I, I think philanthropy in this city is, is really uh, fantastic. But I would say even more so people were leaning in this year to, to, uh, to make sure that we were there on the other end of it all, on the other side. Right. Um, and just, yeah, to, 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 you know, I think people really got a little bit of a wake up call when they realized, okay, no, art, you, you can't have, you can't have it right now. And, and so, you know, people were binging on whatever they, they could get on, on Netflix and they were, you know, watching digital productions when they could. Um, and that, that is, it, yeah, I think people woke up to the fact that culture in our lives is really important and it does, it tells us who we are. And so, you know, to see, you don't want to see institutions fall. You don't want to see, uh, you don't, you want to, you want to see them grow and, and, and confront, you know, all the issues of our times. We, we don't want these institutions to, to be lost in time or trapped in a, in a time before. I think, I think we all have to question our relevance in the 21st century and make sure we show up for this reckoning. Um, but yeah, we, people are, people even more so uh, saw the value uh, of what we're doing and why, why, why it's so important. Yeah. And I think part of that, like everything is very confusing with all of the tragedies and the everything is very insane right now. And often I think people didn't realize that we look to the artists for clarity. We look to the artists for just to be able to sort of boil things down and explain things well, whether it's theater or comedy or drama or anything like just the ability to take these big picture, gigantic, really sort of like anxiety inducing issues and tell a story that sort of distills it down and explains it. And at least starts a conversation that you can take away from the theater and be like, okay, well, what did you think? What did, what did they mean by that? Or do you, did you agree with that or, or all of that stuff? And, and um, I think RMTC does a great job of at least starting these conversations on these important topics that, that people know are sort of looming in the background, but might not have the words or, you know, the prose or the, or the ability to, to really understand until it's, until it's performed for them or, or explained to them in that way. But yeah, I think it's a, you're, you guys are doing beautiful work. Thanks. <laughs> So at the end of our time, Kelly, we do a, a segment called Just Because, where it's all about the causes that you care about and the effect that it's had on your lives. That's the, the name of the podcast, Because and Effect. Are you okay to go through those questions with us? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Let me pull them up real quick. I should probably have these memorized by now, but I'm not off book yet. So uh, <laughs> question one, what is the very first cause you actually ever remember caring about? Well, I, you know, I've thought about this question. I Okay. When I was a young kid, I think I I, uh, I I started to see the kind of the haves and have-nots. I did mm. I did start to feel, you know, in the schoolyard. I remember some kids that got picked on because they were from poorer families, and I I remember that very distinctly and just feeling the, that kind of injustice. Um, but when I like really got on board with like fighting for a cause, I I was in university in the drama program at University of Guelph. Um, and we did popular theater, which is kind of quite political theater. Uh, and we did, uh, the first show I did uh, was about the the AIDS epidemic. Mm -hmm. 
and um, so it was it was an AIDS awareness piece, and it was it went into schools and into community centers, and and it was really just talking about, you know, bringing it to the forefront so that instead of hanging in the shadows, because I think politically, that was a terrible uh, misstep uh, in terms of how marginalized the suffering of the AIDS epidemic was. Um, and then I did a popular theater show on deforestation, the um, called Ruckus in the Rainforest about um, the, the Amazon and losing the rainforest in the Amazon. And I went to Tomogamy, uh, the, the rainforest of uh, Northern Ontario the, uh, and uh, got arrested for like chained myself to a tree. Yes. You know, I was, awesome. I was in there fighting for it because, and and in the local community, I think they were, they just thought we were a bunch of like city folk trying to, <laughs> you know, disrupt their uh, livelihood. And I, we were just trying to say, you know, once this is gone, your livelihood is actually super affected, you know? Uh, so it's all about sustainability anyway. So, yeah, I mean, you know, from a young, from a young, young child, I, I think I, I was like, the world is filled with an injustice <laughs> and disparity. And um, and then, yeah, and then I went to University of Guelph and a lot of, a lot of lefty uh, thinkers trying to, trying to make a better world, ultimately trying to make a better world for people. And, and popular theater was a way to, a way to kind of get to the people. Cause it's, it's very, it's not, it's not like high production MTC. It's, it's much more unplugged in front of an audience in community centers and schools awesome very cool yeah art often sort of invites the empathetic to participate right and, and those are the kind of the people who typically become the, the 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 artists among us but yeah that's a great great story question two if money and politics and logistics were no issue at all you could just snap your fingers and a wish you could wish for something into existence what would you do in support of your current cause I, i've been really thinking about um, that question and thinking about reconciliation a lot. Um, the, the very first thing I think I would do is like, like, you know, get clean water to the reserves. Like, you know, I know the government made a promise to, to um, end the water advisories and uh, this year, and there's still, I think, something like 52 advisories in 33 communities. And I just think water is a human rights issue. I mean, we get our water from Shoal Lake and yet we can't get water to, we can't provide clean water. It's the first step, um, but it really is only just the first step. I think, you know, I think there's a, a massive amount of investment, uh, not just in, uh, you know, not just in the in in water, but in in really bringing uh, reconciliation uh, to the fore and to to achieve um, to achieve the the recommendations. We have to we have to lean in and we have to invest, and that's in education and that's in like showing up. So that's that's my main mm -hmm. desire right now is to you know, there's so many causes to think about, and certainly climate change. I could. I can talk to you about that too, but I think I think the human rights issues around um, reconciliation are are huge. It's number one. 
Yeah, very well said. Absolutely. Question three, what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about your current cause? Uh, you know, I think it's undoing. Okay, it's easy to say, okay, it's racism is the biggest, you know, roadblock to, to this. But I think if you, if you look at racism and kind of deconstruct it, I think it's, it's undoing, um, undoing years of, of, uh, um, uh, systems that taught us to think a certain way, you know, um, lies that yeah. lies and, and lack of education, you know, I mean, some people talk about land acknowledgements and say, you know, what's a land acknowledgement? You're just going through the motions, but to have my child grow up in a, in, in a world that is doing land acknowledgements is very different from the world that I was educated in, you know? And so racism was just, uh, racism is taught. <laughs> in it was a way. baked in, it was baked yeah, into baked the cake. In. And, and I think, so there's a lot of unlearning and relearning um, that people have to understand that, you know, if, if a society is to thrive, then, everyone has to be thriving in that society. Um, and, Very well said. and so, yeah, I, I just think, I think there's, a, that's racism is a, is a great big thing to tackle so that we can make a better world. For sure. Great, great, great answer. Uh, question four, what's a recent victory, either personally or professionally that you're proud of and would be willing to share with us? Yeah, you know what? I would say it's the bridge. I, I like, mm -hmm. I, I mentioned it earlier, but I was, I, I shouldn't have given it away earlier. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it was, a, it was a, you know, we did it digitally. We pivoted to a digital bridge um, and, but it was great because we could access indigenous artists from across uh, Turtle Island. Like we had great conversations, um, you know, Kent Monkman and Thompson Highway and, and, uh, Jesse Wente and like the list goes on. We, we talked to a lot of people and, and, um, and they just had amazing conversations about, uh, about what they're doing, you know, um, they, you know, th there was a walking tour of all the public art, indigenous public art in Winnipeg that was incredible. And just like things that you walk by at the forks that you don't even see. And, um, and, so many people attended you think you know you think people get exhausted by watching zoom things uh, you know we were all doing it 24 7 in our work um but the numbers were great and the viewership was great and people really engaged and were really excited to listen to um you know from, from great authors to uh to visual artists to um to Indigenous film and, and the music scene, and it was it was a real celebration of uh, of the incredible talent um, in the artistic Indigenous community. Beautiful, love it. Question five: What is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Um, okay, this is uh, this is a great piece of advice, and it's always stuck with me. And I I share this sometimes, um, and young artists are always like they write it down. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> Um, uh, people don't know what to give you until you tell them what you want. Mm. So I think, 
I think, uh, I, I think, you know, asking for what you want and being clear on what you want, um, usually delivers, you know, I, and that's on a kind of a cosmic level, but it's also in a very direct level. You know, sometimes you assume it's like, well, why are they getting the opportunity? It's like, well, they, they probably asked directly. Um, but also on a cosmic level, I remember I was running, um, I was running the Rhubarb Festival, which is a festival of new work at Buddies and Mad Times uh, in 2001 and maybe 2000, 2000 at that point. Anyway, um, a journalist said, uh, so where do you see yourself? I was not yet an artistic director. I was an independent director and producer and, and running a festival. I had a contract gig. Um, and a media person said to me in the interview uh, for the festival, he said, so where do you see yourself in, uh, you know, in five years? And I said, well, I could be, I think I could be an artistic director. I, I, I'm, I have all the kind of organizational skills and I, I think it's in service to our community, to a community to lead a company. And I, like, I really, I, I think I could do it. And like literally four months later, I was running Nightwood. You know, I went, I, uh, the job came up, I, I, I applied and went through the process. And then I was sitting there going, wow, you really can ask the universe for what you want. It, it, it will come back to you. Well, yeah, part, yeah, part of it is just showing up and saying, yeah, like, hey, yeah, many doors can be open, but are you willing to walk through them, right? It's a yeah. beautiful answer. Thank you. Uh, question six, what advice would you give to your 10-year-old self if you could talk to her right now? I think I would tell her that, um, that self-doubt is normal and that everybody has it. Everybody has insecurity and fear uh, and, 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 and don't believe they can do it or have you know, the imposter syndrome, but that, that is normal. And just like, you know, just accept it as, as a friend, but don't let it stop you from, and, and not to say that I, you know, that I suffered a, a lot, but I think everybody quietly has this, you know, insecurity thing that, am I good enough? Can I do this? Um, and, you know, put it, put a girl hitting puberty, you know, in a couple of years after 10, you, you, you it, that's even an, another a whole other burden. Um, uh, but I think that's, that's what to, to, to really confront and, own it, know that you have it, but don't let it be something that gets in your way. I think I've done over 75 of these podcasts and I'm going to say 80% of them have some sort of conversation about like insecurity as a child, you know, growing up and being insecure. And I just think it's such this universal experience that like, if, if everyone knew that it was universal back then and not just like, oh, it's just me. Everyone's got it figured out except for me and I'll never figure it out. And yeah, if, if we could just pass that on to our kids, it's like, hey, everyone's going through it. You'll be all right. And just try to reinforce that. But it's it's almost impossible to get that into someone's head. Right. But yeah, good answer. I love it. Uh, question seven. The final question. What do you want to be remembered for? Uh, I want to be remembered for. I mean, I think it. it uh, all of us that work in theater and certainly um, certainly when you're running a theater, I want to be remembered. I want to make, uh, you know, I want to make a difference. I want, uh, so, uh, you know, I want to make a better world with the art that I make. Um, so that's, you know, it's kind of an easy answer. It's the reason I got into theater in the first place. It, it's, you know, as you said, 
you know, seeing injustice in the schoolyard and then, you know, wandering into my university in, in theater. We do. I think a lot, I think artists tend to be people that want to make a better world. So I want to be remembered for making a difference through the theater that I made. Beautiful answer. Thank you so much, Kelly, for being on the show today. Uh, RoyalMTC.ca for all the information about the upcoming season. I think you said uh, Orlando launches in November coming up? Yeah, November 24th is our Very first cool. Well, good luck with the upcoming shows and everything. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, Kelly Thornton is the Artistic Director of the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre. Kelly, thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Nolan. It was great to talk to you. Thank you again to Kelly Thornton for talking to us today. Uh, really insightful and an invaluable conversation. Just kind of learning about the inner workings of, you know, such an incredible organization like RMTC. And there's a lot of work that goes into these shows. So like Kelly said, uh, November 24th is the preview for their new show, Orlando. Uh, check royalmtc.ca for ticket information. I'm sure that show is going to be incredible for sure. All music on our show is produced and composed by Trenton Burton. You can hear more of his music at trentonburton.com. And the Because and Effect podcast is brought to you by the Winnipeg Foundation. You can learn more about the foundation by searching at WPGFDN on all social media accounts or visiting their website, which is www.wpgfdn.org. I'm at Nolan Bicknell on all social medias. You can find me there. We will see you next week, same time, same place. Thank you again for tuning in. Uh, you know, we wouldn't do this without people listening to it. So thanks so much for listening. And remember, art is not what you see, but what you make others see. Bye-bye.